Welcome, lads and ladies, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We are here to discuss X-Factor number 37, the February 1989 issue on sale October 25th of 1988. Cover price of a dollar. This one's titled A Matter of Honor. Yep. And on the cover of this, you have a... Not- Wait a minute. Is this Conan the Barbarian? Well, I mean, it kind of looks like it. Are you talking about the Goblin Queen's pose? Yeah, it's very like, uh, I don't know who that guy is who paints all the Conan stuff. Um, But he paints them. This is just kind of a poorly drawn figure. In the style of yeah, that I, painter guy. Yeah, I don't know what his name is. Boris Vallejo. Is that his name? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yep, uh, and it is... It's Madeline Pride as the Goblin Queen, and she is standing on top of a bunch of demons. Cyclops, Beast, Iceman, Archangel, Jean Grey, holding up, presumably, her baby. This is a great cover at first glance. And then you start to look at the details, and it becomes a really, like, I don't know, they, they could have spent a little more time on this one. This could have been a great cover. Yeah, I don't know if it's a problem with the inks or what. I think the figures are all fine. I just I feel like the faces, there's all the faces are off. And the baby, the baby needs more ink and the baby's too fat. <laughs> Babies are fat. Yeah, but this baby's like disproportionate to um like this baby did not come out of Madeline. Look at Madeline's body. Well, that was years ago. <laughs> How old is this years baby? Years ago. This baby's like I don't know. He looks like he's 2, but he's wearing diapers. Well, in the Marvel Universe, you have babies and you go back to your exact svelte form. Yep. Yep. So we're, we're still in phase two of Inferno where only I-N-F-E are on fire. Yep. So we open this thing up. It is written by Louis Simonson, penciled by Walter Simonson, uh, inked by Bob Wiasek, lettered by Joe Rosen, Petra Scotzi, Scotesi. Petra. I like both of those. Good old Petra's on the colors. Petra! Uh, <laughs> Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. Uh, and X-Factor is fighting off goblins, demons. At last, finally, the demon effect is fading, says Jean Grey. Right, and that's, of course, thanks to the efforts of the new mutants and exterminators now on sale at your local newsstand. Sold out, man. I couldn't even find a copy. So I guess uh, no new demons are coming into Manhattan, and now we just got to clean up this mess. Yeah. Uh, Gene can still feel little Christopher's presence. His name is Christopher for now. Very important. It's Christopher again. Yep. (laughs) So we keep going back and forth. Not sure who's making these decisions, but apparently the creative staff eventually had a meeting. They're like, okay, I have a way to solve this problem. (laughs) And so, yes, they fight. We get a nice, I don't know if I'm going to say nice. We get kind of a generic two-page spread. It's all right. I mean, the Archangel is good. I, I like what they were going for. I just wish that they would have spent a lot more time on it. Because this, this has the makings of a really uh, kind of epic two-page spread. But I feel like they're like, eh, I don't know what we should really be doing here. So, two-page spread. I wonder if this, like, do you, do you own this issue? I do own this issue. I want you to go into the archives and look at this issue in the physical and the like old paper comic books. I want to know if it actually maybe it looks better and it's just the transfer to this high quality 
uh, new look where the colors are kind of beefed up and everything. I wonder if it's, it gets lost in translation. I don't know. I can only imagine it would look worse. It, it It's certainly possible. It could look worse. It could look better. But that's, that's my theory. That's my running theory is that this looks better in the original print. My impression, uh, or my remembrance anyways, of this line of comics, because I was buying at this time, uh, is that X-Men looked better than X-Factor. That, that makes sense. <laughs> and, and it still holds true. So I don't recall my specific thoughts on this two-page spread. In fact, I didn't even remember this two-page spread until we uh, started rereading this. Um, so I don't know. Maybe. Well, the thing is, it's, it's Walt Simonson. And Walt Simonson is a great artist. It's just like with X factor, he kind of, I don't know if he's trying like a new loose style or it does. It comes across as like you said, not finished. I agree with everything you just said. Um, can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe he is trying something new. Maybe, uh, Bob Wiasek is just on too many books and he's just kind of phoning in the inks. Although a lot of these pencil marks, and again, it's a style, right? It's not like he's a bad artist. A lot of them are just kind of like rough and like hash marks, really sharp lines with yeah, I don't with, know. with little definition. I mean, there is definition, but like no shadows, really. I feel like that maybe that's an inker's problem. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm with you, though. Yeah. Anyway, like uh, Archangel, as you said, is, is it's a good drawing of Archangel. He's flying at us. Um, he he looks like he's flying at us, like his feet are smaller than his hands. Uh, and you've seen drawings where, where they try to do this perspective, and it just makes it look like the character has a giant fist. <laughs> it doesn't here. And here, I totally buy that he's flying out at us. All of the other characters are definitely in the background, kind of at the right um, perspective distance away from Angel. Uh, yet Angel just kind of looks a little bit flat. Yeah, maybe it's maybe the back the because the background is so flat. It, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, Iceman says the city, its buildings are it's all gone totally nuts. You're the brain beast, so tell me what's causing this madness. We get kind of a reintroduction to what happened to Nastir. He was destroyed, but now he's back, and now he's all red. We don't really get told why, but I guess for the con of this story doesn't really matter it's just he's red now y'all the trans metropolitan virus the trans organic trans mode virus uh turned him red for some reason yes because the demons are like master what happened you changed of course fools i changed i've acquired the trans mode virus i'm a living computer <laughs> apparently he's a cool dude now <laughs> to all intents and purposes i am magic now, as a reader of X Factor, are you reading that like, oh, he's magical, or he is the living embodiment of Ilyana Rasputin, i.e., magic? Oh, I didn't even pick that up. I just thought, okay, yeah. I mean, it could go either way, right? With with the way it's written, which is kind of clever. Yeah. Um, I kind of like uh, Walt Simonson's take on Nastir. Nastir looks totally different than he does anywhere else. Somebody says, you changed, mm-hmm. which uh, I think it, I think it's I think in the New Mutants this month, somebody recognizes that he has the transvode virus from a distance. And and uh, I don't know why. Is, is it because he's red? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yep. So the X Factor continues fighting the demons. Uh, Gene calls out that the there's a massive intelligent presence here that wants your baby, and there he is up there. Uh, another demon flies in and is like, "For you, master baby, we still got more babies too." For now, young Nathan Christopher Charles. Wow, he's got three names now. <laughs> Technically, Nathan Charles or Nathan Christopher Charles Summers, right? So three yeah. first names and one last. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. For now, young Nathan Christopher Charles will suffice. Named for his grandfather's men of power and infant of purity. The Goblin Queen will be pleased and will do her part as I have done mine. So readers of only X Factor who aren't reading X-Men are like, who's Nathan? Actually, is this is this like out and out just telling us that Mr. Sinister is really Nathan Sinister? I is it? Well, I mean, who who else is Nathan? We know that we know that from the pages of the X-Men anyways. We know that Jean has no or not Jean. Madeline has no real parents, so her, it's not like her dad is named Nathan. So are you saying that the bully from uh Scott Summers' childhood uh when he was in the orphanage was Mr. Sinister? Sure seems like that's what Nastira is saying by saying that he's named for his grandfather's plural. Well, who's Charles? Well, it, it, like uh, Charles Xavier. So, I mean, not like – doesn't have to be biological grandfather, right? Because well, I, I mean, Charles I, Xavier is a father figure to Scott. Okay. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's not very clear, but now that you're, now that you're saying it, it, it is sort of clear. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. No. I, I, I wonder if that was intentional or not. I don't know. Probably. Or they probably made it intentionally vague so they could do whatever they wanted to later on down the line. Uh, comics. <laughs> so Gene picks up all of X-Factor and they fly towards uh, Nastir because Gene can feel uh, him with his or her limited telepathic ability. Would she say she can feel him but she can't? sense him or something weird like that or maybe that comes later the baby i can feel him but it's muffled oh no when she talks about nastir she says something about how she can feel him but she can't read him or something like that i I, I don't think we're there yet no so yeah they they fly up there and nastir sends a bunch of demons after x x factor because they're nearby now that the the problem with the backgrounds on this issue is that we never really get the sense of where, where anybody is. Yep. The backgrounds in this entire page are like a mauve. Yeah. Uh, except for the middle panel, you can see that he's Nastir is pointing for the demons to go down, and we can see the tops of buildings. But otherwise, we have no reference for where X Factor is in any of the other panels. Yeah. So when Jean Grey picks them all up and flies them over to wherever Nastir is, which is a nice panel. Yeah. Um, we don't know where she's going or or, or why, where she stops. It's it's just kind of. Yeah. This uh, this this whole issue suffers from that. Yeah, she's either flying straight up in the air, but the way the panel is drawn, it kind of looks like she's flying towards somebody. I mean, if you're not going to do backgrounds at all, why even bother having this panel? They could all just be there. <laughs> right. Oh, well. Scott calls out that they vanquish hundreds only to have more take their place, like being swallowed in quicksand. How will we reach my son in time? The answer, Cyclops, is that you cannot. 
My servants will bury you, <laughs> as I have commanded. You see, I know someone who wants the child as much as you. And he disappears. Cyclops says, no, and then Gene and Cyclops get enveloped by demons. Which is a cool three-panel sequence. What's going on with Cyclops' eyes in the first panel, though? Well, I think, you know, we've seen the, this effects before where his visor is down, but I think he's so enraged that his power, like, flares up so much that it it wants to just blast his goggles off, but it doesn't. Is that what's going on here? Okay. I, I think so. I can buy into that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, scrack a boom uh, Madeline shows up. Away from them creatures, they are mine! It's a really weird pacing. Like, one panel, and the steer disappears. And then the X, the X Factor gets enveloped, and then the next panel, I don't know, I, I just, it's not what I expected to happen. Yeah, I mean, it seems from a creative standpoint that they didn't want to just reprint the same page out of Uncanny X-Men, because effectively, Nastir disappears, brings the baby to the Goblin Queen. You should flip over to X-Men, and she's like, look, Mr. Sinister, you can't stop me. I'm free from my chains, and I have my baby. So there should be, like, a couple of beats and then clearly the first place that Madeline would go back would be Manhattan to get revenge on Cyclops. But I feel like there should be a page of something here. Where did they go? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess more demon fighting would, would be kind of boring. So I don't know what they could have done. But but yes, it's like uh, Nastir disappears and immediately after Ma uh, Madeline shows up with the baby. Yeah, it's a little off, but... Or, or they could have even put a panel. See where Nastir goes in X-Men issue 241 or 242 or whatever it was. Yeah. Cyclops calls out, Maddie, you're alive! Don't call me that! Uh, Nastir is in the background with two demons. Which we know are, you know, Jean and, or not Jean, Jean's parents. What are their names? I can't remember their names. Henry and Marjorie. Okay, I was going to go with Louise and Walt. <laughs> oh, that's even better. <laughs> I like that. Uh, somebody calls out, I'm guessing Cyclops, what should we call you? <laughs> I, which doesn't seem to be the right answer. If somebody's like, don't call me that, you generally say, what? What? <laughs> what should we call you? You may call me the guy, your goblin majesty. Not the Goblin Queen. We get a close-up of Cyclops and Jean's eye, and somebody off-panel says, she's not normal. <laughs> oh, Iceman. You, Iceman, are a master of understatement. We may have to fight her for him, Psyche. No. We can't hurt her. This is the conclusion that they leap to. They're not like, oh my god, it's Madeline, and she's under the control of that creepy demon who kidnapped the baby. We gotta kill the demon. Don't worry, Madeline. We'll save you. Immediately they leap to, we gotta fight Madeline. Well, and then Cyclops says, don't you see? She's been taken over by demons. Okay, fair enough. And then the rest of the X-Factor are like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you have little Christopher, Madeline. What do you want with him? And here's where we get, we don't call him Christopher anymore. His name is Nathan. You always hated that name, didn't you? The little bully in the orphanage, as I remember. You have no right to him. You abandoned us. And then Scott totally deflects by saying, I thought you were dead. <laughs> I mean, the second time when <laughs> I left. At some point, I, I definitely thought you were dead. <laughs> I mean, like right now, I totally thought you were dead. <laughs> um, but not the first time. I, did, I came back looking for you, and then I gave up really quickly. 
<laughs> um, kept telling everybody I was going to look for you, but I, I never really did. She says, you did? What do you think now? And she zooms up to him, I guess, and says, no kiss for the long lost mother of your son. <laughs> you died in Dallas. I saw it on TV. The world saw. Yep. You'd like that, wouldn't you? To be with your true love and peace? You're such a fool. But you don't know what you tossed away. I'm getting like a kind of a Evil Dead vibe here when she like like zooms up to him and it's like, no kiss for the long lost mother of your son. Yeah, I like that idea. Colossus should say something like, eat lead. <laughs> Colossus? Why would Colossus say that? Cyclops. Oh, Cyclops. Colossus just shows up with a boomstick on his hand. Yeah. I am not good with feelings, but I am good with shotgun. Eat my boomstick. <laughs> uh, Cyclops asks what she's become, and she says, uh, what you've made me. You and the others. I don't know who the others are. And she, she zaps Cyclops and then commands some demons to get him. Madeline, what do you mean I've, what I've made you? You're what I've made of you. Madeline is taunting Cyclops, says, you have eyes of sorts, use them. And Cyclops says, no, I can't. I won't fight you or try to hurt you. You never had to try. It's too late. You hurt me. Yeah, they're, they're having a, 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 a with powers lovers spat. <laughs> you only had to look at me and I knew your eyes and the knowledge and them blasted through my heart. It wasn't me you wanted. It was never me. It was that tramp, Gene Gray. Uh, this is where we hear a little bit more about Jean's telepathy. She says, uh, Scott, I can read her tele telepathically. Uh, I can't read her telepathically. When I reach out, try, I hit a barrier. It's hard to explain. And Cyclops puts her down. But that's not unusual. <laughs> now your telepathic powers are so limited. You've just been getting your tele telepathic powers like a few issues ago. Of course you can't read her. <laughs> Uh, and then we get a nice little three-page uh, or three-panel uh, zoom-in shot, which I kind of like. It's interesting. It's basically, it's it's Madeline up in the air uh, with the baby, and then we, we see an outline of the next panel, and then the outline of the next panel, which kind of just zooms into little baby Nathan Christopher Charles Summers crying. Jean continues to say that she gets n nothing from her, no resonance at all, as if there's no one there. Maybe she isn't real. It's just a demon illusion. Poor little Christopher. I'm doing what I can to calm him, but he's terrified. He's screaming in my soul. Nathan's mind. How dare you be inside his head and heart? And the demons are like, demons run, gonna blast. <laughs> gonna blast. <laughs> and they spread from Jean. Um, Madeline, I mean, it seems like Madeline would launch a shot here, but she doesn't. It takes her a minute. She does. She does. Eventually. It's like this, this is where you go to the next page and she's blasting. Mm -hmm. But instead we do like a slow, slow blast. Well, it's like a slow turn. Like you've stolen from him from me. Like you've stolen everything. Now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to aim my finger at you. Everything I possessed. Everything I am. And then she shoots in the third panel, but Nastir shows up for some reason and blocks the shot. And he's he's no longer his demonic form. He's turned into a magic carpet. Yes, which is, you know, it's neat. I mean, I guess he can do that. Why not? And yet it will take so little to erase you totally. So maybe she has the power to completely destroy all of X-Factor with one waggle of her finger. Uh, but Nastir shouts, no! And he gets in a 
super weird panel uh, flattened and launched at a 90-degree angle to the top of a building. Yeah. I've always thought this was a neat panel, but I just don't know what's happening. Well, I think he flattened himself, except for his head, in the previous panel when he got in the way. And then I think the sh- the the impact of the shot causes him to fly away. And maybe he flattens him, the rest of himself. So this 90-degree uh, flat image of Nastir, is that all him or is that like motion? I thought it was uh, a combination. It's It's... It is it is motion, but it is also uh, kind of stretchy, so it's kind of got a Mr. Fantastic feel about it. And so it looks like he hits the top of a building, which kind of arcs, and then that releases a huge swarm of building demons. Yeah, which wasn't very clear, and mainly, again, this is because the backgrounds are not very clear on what's happening. Yep. Uh, Madeline says, you dare impose yourself, demon. To deny me my prey, it can be destroyed as easily as they. But that's when the demons all show up. Which, I mean, I you could say that the, these demons have nothing to do with the previous panel. There's there's nothing. Oh sure, I just kind of assume that it does because the building is arcing, and then in the next panel there's like a tidal wave and a in a much larger arc. But yeah, yeah it it could be totally two different things too. You're right. I agree with you. I just I don't feel like. I feel like because we're reading comics and we go by a panel by panel nature, we want to connect things. Mm-hmm. But but based on these two drawings, they don't necessarily have to connect. But I think you're right that they do. One of these buildings, actually, a couple of these buildings have evil eyes. Yeah, man, it's spooky out there. It's neat. He Nastir shows up and says that he's her loyal servant. I awoke that power in you. Have I not proven myself to you? Did I not find your son? And he thinks to himself, that she was virtually a blank slate. It was easy to subvert her. Even Sim couldn't botch it. How has it gone so wrong? So apparently everything that he wanted to do is backfiring. Although, what is the plan here? Is it? Did Sim want to unleash um, Limbo on Earth, or did Nastir want to unleash Limbo on Earth? Or did they both, and now it's just a race to who can rule the Earth once Limbo is unleashed on it? Yeah, I think you're, that's they, the last. They okay. both wanted to, and now they're in competition with each other to see who can actually dominate. Got it. Although I don't know, quite know what Nastir's like, long-term plan is. Um, Sim just seems like he's content running around wrecking things. Okay. He doesn't seem like he really has much of a plan. Uh, Nastir seems to have like machinations that I don't quite understand. Oh, so maybe he has like a plan that requires Jean and Madeline and the baby somehow, and that's why he got in the way of the blast? Well, he definitely says something about needing the baby Yep. later. I don't know about the other ones. Hmm. So I guess we'll find out. Okay. Or not. <laughs> um, all the demons attack um, X-Factor and Jean creates i don't know like a telekinetic shield with a little hole in it i'm not really sure i can't stop them all but i can narrow their approach so i guess she's created like a little hole for them to go through so they can only come in one at a time and now x-factor jumps into action and starts knocking demons out why would you make a hole if why would you just not make it solid (laughs) she said she 
can't stop them all, but she can narrow their approach. So she's made a narrow little hole for them to approach them. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe because she has that little weakness, the rest of it's so much stronger. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. So yeah, Beast hits one. Angel flies through a couple. Cyclops zaps a few. Iceman freezes a couple. Yeah, they all do a thing. Jean Grey points out to everybody the obvious. It's incredible. Eerie. She looks so like me. It's like gazing into a distorted mirror. A mirror? Yes, says Madeline. And distorted. Jean's like, yeah, it's it's what I just said. (laughs) But I heard you and I'm very far away and I'm not talking to you. So I just reoriented your words and made it cleverer. Uh, and that's when Madeline turns around and says, You have distorted me, demon, etched the dark characters on my soul, pulled all the strings, created the ties that bind me to the darkness, but I am no longer a demon puppet. You've created more than you bargained for. Here's where we get some of Nastir's plan. I do not care what she is as long as she does what I've set her to do. Raise the Empire State Building so high that it challenges heaven itself, and through the sacrifice of her son... Release that untapped power within him to blast a hole to limbo and beyond. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. So that's his plan. Okay. Solid. <laughs> <laughs> it's true uh, that I cannot control one of your mastery, but I can advise. The others are coming. The other side of the mutant coin. You have planned your revenge so carefully. Stay your righteous anger for just a moment, my great ally, and think. Will you not forgo immediate gratification to heighten the pleasure of that final confrontation? So he's manipulating her, but I'm not sure to what end. Here's a another um, weird pacing thing. X-Factor is fighting all of the demons. Um, Iceman calls for a fastball special, which makes no sense because none of these people participated in a fastball special. Yeah, that seems like a mistake. A fastball special for X-Factor is Iceman creates a giant ice ball and Beast throws it. Yep. Sorry. Fail. (laughs) Madeline throws Christopher to a couple of demons and is like, catch! Watch little Nathan while I tend to X-Factor. Presumably the the greys. The grandparents, maybe. Yeah. Well, I guess not really. Pseudo-grandparents. And they're like, I got him, I got him, I thought you got him. Says Christopher Nathan Charles Scott Summers. Gene <laughs> flies up to catch the baby. She almost catches him, and then Madeline shows up. Is like you're wrong. I have him. See, you now you understand. It was all just a trap or a trick. Was it though? I don't, she, I don't know. Is it, that why she did all that? I feel the same as you. It's very strange that she throws it away and then she catches it. And she does. She does nothing in the time that the baby is thrown. Like you'd think that. Without her hands encumbered and the baby flying, she could, like, get a couple of hits in an X-Factor. But while all of those shenanigans are occurring, you don't see Madeline do anything. Right. It's almost as if she hadn't planned. (laughs) This doesn't feel planned from her perspective or the perspective of the writer. Right. Well, what do we do next? I don't know. (laughs) Let's have her toss the baby. And then catch it immediately. The demons that were going after the baby are, since the baby is redirected by Madeline, the demons crash into Jean, and she's like, get away from me, you, mom, dad, no, and one of them, I don't know who, looks to bite into her shoulder? (laughs) Well, they're demons. 
I guess not. I guess that's like a claw on her shoulder and the teeth are coming towards her face. <laughs> Maybe it's just something to say, hey. <laughs> hey, daughter. A little, <laughs> little kissy kiss for daddy, dad. What's up? And then Jean wants to know, what have you done to them? Even with your limited awareness, you know their loving touch. Know this. Your parents were flesh and blood. Mine were glass and steel. I'm like my parents, hard with a cutting edge. Ooh. Even with your limited awareness, you know their loving touch. That doesn't look like loving touch to me. It looks like they tackled Jean. Yeah, maybe she's just being sarcastic. <laughs> this is this is just like the time my mom tackled me. <laughs> What's wrong with her? She's talking in riddles like some kind of crazy exclamation point. Iceman says without finishing his sentence. <laughs> B says, I suspect, my friends, that there is a substance concealed in her apparent lunatic ravings. Finally, I got to say something smart. <laughs> uh, Angel flies around a couple of demons. That's what Angel does in this issue. She just dry, flies around and flies through demons. He's a page filler. Drop her, my servants, and return to your mistress. I hate you, Jean Grey, and I will systematically destroy anything that was yours, as you have destroyed all that was mine. For you, my darling husband, I have planned something worse. She throws Jean at Cyclops. <laughs> I was created to be a brood mare, a source of genetic material. Well, I'll trick Sinister out of that. X-Factor's like, what's a Sinister? <laughs> oh, they just think she's talking crazy again. The demon Nastir has shown me my real self. The babe is yours. What you love most, more than you ever loved me, and maybe more than you love her. And I'll destroy him and all of your hopes with him. So she's falling into Nastir's trap. She's going to kill Nathan Christopher Charles Summers. Well, that's what she agreed to do. Yeah. She's mad and dangerous. She means to kill it. Why is the baby an it? <laughs> Well, he changes. He says she'll kill her son if we let her. Hmm. Sometimes you call babies it, you know. No, you don't. They're people. They're and then like you know maybe maybe he didn't know the sex for a minute. Oh, he was like, I guess he could have said the baby. <laughs> she she's mad and dangerous. She means she means to kill the baby. Oh no, he says she means. Oh, it. she means it. Okay, I misread she it. She doesn't say she's gonna kill it. All right, I, all right. I jumbled a couple sentences there. Okay. Um, Iceman calls it out and says, listen to me, we got to quit this velvet glove treatment. We have to stop her any way we can, says Beast, and we must save my son. Spare her if you can, says a crying Cyclops. What is it like when Cyclops cries? Is he, because shouldn't, shouldn't his tears be red? <laughs> well, his, his eye beams are not heat beams. They're force beams. So. Well, I know, but like, what do his eyes look like? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Things that come out of his eyes are generally red. Well, just the force beam. Why do you got to assume that his tears are red? I don't know. This kind of be neat. <laughs> well, then it would just look like he's crying blood. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. <laughs> all right. So here we are again, all of you against me like it was from the beginning. What? <laughs> Well, that's one way of looking at it. I suppose. One big happy mutant family. I never had a family. Even the illusion of a family was stolen from me. I shattered your family once, Scott. Left his beloved X-Men to be with me. If only you'd stayed away, Scott. Stayed with me. It would have been all right. Why couldn't you do it my way? But there are 
compensations. I see that now. I've learned I wasn't made for happiness. I have been given power. I am power. Oh, Magneto shows up. My shield didn't stop her for long. She's hurling us from the air. Her power's unbelievable. We're going to impact. Gene, cushion our fall. We get a full page spread of like nothing. Like a, a, an explosion, I guess. Yeah, it's, you know, the classic something getting thrown into the ground in a ground bubble. I'm okay with that, but like a quarter of the page is like the motion, this white and like light blue motion heading towards the ram. Yeah, well. You know, we're that we're meant to believe that's the uh, that's X Factor. Yeah. No, I get that's fine. I don't care about that. I just wish that this explosion was like way more colorful and detailed. So you just get rid of the white. I, the white's fine. I think it's just like the the entire composition of this panel is. I don't know. I feel like I could have drawn it. Maybe. Anyways, so now they're in a uh, a pit. Essentially, it's like a six foot deep pit. Maybe. And uh, she's talking all evil. She's like, I swear to you that I will shatter your cozy mutant family. Brother will kill brother, and I will personally sacrifice your son. And they turn to look at Madeline, and they're like, what? And Madeline says, you're trying to take my baby away from me. Scott, why are you doing this to me? And she's in her classic green flight suit. With some seriously high boots. They're really high. She <laughs> changed, says Iceman. Some trick, but why? And then we get a hand grabs Jean Grey from off panel and says, just confirming what my other sense has been streaming at me, Jeannie darling. I have to make sure you're real. Dun, dun, dun. And of course, that's Batman. <laughs> the meeting you've all been waiting for. Batman VX Factor. <laughs> Wolverine, everybody. Yes. He has a cameo. His arm has a cameo. Uh, and they never see him again. <laughs> yes. All right. Yeah. X Factor number 37, was it? It was. Yeah. Uh, the lead up to the, final, the first, for the lead up to the confrontation of X-Men versus X Factor. Right. Which is part three of Inferno. I'm sure that they'll be like, hey, we thought you were dead. This is awesome. We should, like, go catch up and get some dinner and have some drinks. <laughs> Madeline, she's crazy, but she's our kind of crazy. And everything will just be okay? Yeah, everything will be fine. It's going to be, like, a really short issue. Well, remember, the X-Men are all, like, weird looking now. They got their evil on. Yeah. I don't buy it, Adam. I, I, think, it's, I think that's going to have worn off. How come X-Factor doesn't have their evil on? Uh, well, my theory is that not only was Inferno corrupting them, but maybe their time with Madeline was corrupting them. Okay. I don't know. It's a good theory. I like that theory. It's the only thing that really makes sense because you're right. X-Factor should be all craggly and shadowy like the X-Men were at the end of 241. Maybe they spent m more time in the in the Inferno fighting the Marauders. Maybe they'll explain it in the next issue. Eh, I doubt it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe they will. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, so there you go. There you go. So if you'd like to uh, reach out to us and tell us what you think of Inferno or anything X-Men related, uh, feel free to do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, Twitter us at Danger Room Go. 
You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. You can go out to iTunes or wherever podcasts are found and subscribe to us and download the episodes. Uh, you can also go call us, 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636, and you can leave us a voice message, and you might actually hear your voice on this very podcast. Also go out to www.patreon.com forward slash danger room and uh, give us some money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, join one of our patron ranks, and you too can be enlisted in the X-Men Fun Time Marching Band Army. Didn't didn't Marvel have a, a merry marching something or other? The merry Marvel marching band or something like that. Yeah, you sent him like a dollar or something and got a patch that said that. Something like that, yeah. You know, we should bring that back. We should bring back patches. Nobody does patches as swag anymore. Well, now it's it's pins. Pins is the new thing. Now we got to bring back patches, like iron on, sew on patches. All right. Um. So Let's do it. if we get enough Patreon money, we're going to order X-Men podcast patches. We'll have to do some sort of cost analysis here and we'll figure out how much it makes or how much it costs to make make these patches. We'll get like some sort of design going and then we'll have a Patreon level that will ensure that you get one of these patches. It's going to be a super awesome patch too. You're going to want to put it on your flannel shirt. Or your jean jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be hot. <laughs> what a jean jacket that has a giant X-Men podcast logo on the back of it. Why wouldn't you? Don't you remember? Did uh, This is probably gone by the time we were in school. But I recall seeing jean jackets with like giant, metal not giant, but like Metallica t-shirts cut out and then sewed onto the back of the jean jacket. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was rad. Man, I'm not a big fan of metallica but i like the idea yeah yeah we should bring those back adam jean jackets are back in right now oh are they yeah also our theme music is provided by laszlo hollyfeld so that's all the stuff that's all the stuff we read new mutants number 73 which is a is another it's double-sized it's another inferno chapter this one has the entire inferno logo in flames so so you can tell that it's part of phase three? <laughs> yeah, it probably came out maybe the same month as the next issues. Well, because I think the next issues of X-Factor and X-Men are both double-sized. Oh, are they? Oh, so this is, it's going to be double-sized? Oh, boy, that'll be, that's going to be a lot of work. <laughs> I think so. I mean, don't, don't quote me on that, but I feel pretty good that they're both double-sized. Let's see. Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> I imagine that this came out the same month as those, even though continuity wise, this seems to be the most, uh, uh, the place that makes the most amount of sense. Yeah, no, we always do. We always do new mutants because new mutants presumably is published, even though it's in the same month as the next issue, it would be before the next issue. So like the week before or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we end up doing it ahead behind, you know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. So, so we did. We just did the February issue of X Factor. Now we're doing the March issue of New Mutants. You know what? I want, I want the New Mutants movie to be filmed in the style of Brett Blevins' art. I, maybe it is. Maybe I think that would be awesome. They seem to be going. I mean, from what limited 
trailers I saw, it seems to be going the the route of the uh, limbo. Yeah. Oh, really? Well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Ilyana in there. Oh, is there? I, I've only seen, I think, one teaser trailer from a while ago that just made it look like a horror movie, which I think is what it's supposed to be. Right, which I'm assuming is is, a, is limbo related. Sure, I, I'm all in. I could better have Warlock though. Oh, I, yeah, that might be kind of difficult to pull off though. Not anymore. Not in today's age of technological wonders. Oh, I mean, of course, you can have a CGI Warlock. The question is, is it going to be a good CGI Warlock or is it going to be a crappy CGI Warlock? Well, I would prefer that it was a good one. <laughs> yes, but I think all of those people are probably working on the latest Terminator movie. <laughs> so that's going to be a bad one. <laughs> are you kidding me? Uh, what's his face is involved again? Yeah, he was involved in the last one. And uh, Sarah Connor's back in the same role, producer. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Well, in the last one, we brought Arnold back. So in this one, we'll bring Linda and Arnold back. <laughs> I I I think they, they, there's a missing element here. Like, why don't they bring Eddie Furlong back? No, why don't they let uh, James Cameron direct it? He probably doesn't want to. Of course not, because it's all crap. He's probably like, I'll take the check for the producer, but that's it. I don't want anything else to do with this. When I first saw that that was announced, I was I I thought I had heard that he was attached to like either write and or direct, but then uh, I was wrong. <laughs> he produced. He's producing this one, and he produced the last one. He's too busy doing his. He's got four more avatars planned. <laughs> Why? Because that's that's what his thing is right now. Yeah. Okay. All about those avatars. I feel the way I feel about Avatar the way I felt about the Matrix. Okay, that's that's valid. Meh. <laughs> Meh. All right, well, now that I've alienated half of our audience. <laughs> uh, this one's called The Gift, and uh, it is it is a double size. We're not going to do too much in depth, but again. There's a lot to cover, though. A lot of, a lot of good artwork here. Uh, Ileana is a full demon child in like a chrome demon. She's got a parental tail. She's got a cloven hoof. She's got horns. Uh, and she's got evil eyes. And she's all metal. She looks pretty rad. It's like armor. Yep. That's This is the completion of her, her soul armor, I think. I guess so, yeah. And, of course, the fight here is to try to get to the soul sword. Sim wants this soul sword badly, but uh, Ileana eventually just cuts his head off, which is awesome. With the soul sword, he will be able to be the master of limbo, I suppose? Yes. Okay. She cuts off his head. His head goes flying. It's still got that cigar in his mouth, and it grows like tree limbs and just grows out of the ground. He's like, Psh. I'm back. You can't kill Sim like that. I got the trans mode virus. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it have another name at some point? The trans something else virus? I think they they call it the like the organic trans mode virus. The techno organic. Techno organic trans mode virus. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. And that's all thanks to Warlock's father Magus infecting Limbo? Right. Yeah. yeah. Boy, Yuliana really made a mistake when she banished him there. Does Magus ever come back? Probably. Yeah. Okay. If if not now, then at least 300 issues from now. Oh, yeah? We got a lot of X-Men to cover. I'm sure he comes back at some point in some chronology. Probably. 
We catch up a little bit with the um, wounded exterminators, as well as Danny Moonstar, still hanging out at that church. Yeah, Danny's got. She's seeing death because that's one of her powers right now. Because she's she's a Valkyrie, so all around her is death, and she can't she can't escape it. I like Brett Blevins' interpretation of an inferno or limbo-eyed Manhattan way more than Walt Simonson's. I mean, he's got stuff. He's got like Inception-level streets just folding in on each other. It's awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, the the difference is is remarkable. Like you have no detail versus tons of detail. And we know where we are. We have backgrounds. We see buildings. When we see uh, the new mutants flying towards us, we definitely know that they're not going up or down. They're going towards us. And when we don't know where we are, it's on purpose. Right. And it's designed in such a way as to create confusion. Which is which is awesome. Uh, yeah. the, the street lights here look like little evil faces, which is pretty sweet. And they, they talk and... They uh, they have signs on them that are street names, but instead they say, ha ha, you lose. We get this excellent full page spread of the new mutants flying through like a, a road that is enveloping on itself. Very much like that one scene in Inception. Yeah, but better. Oh, this is way better. I'd love to see this uh, rendered in a movie. And you got like angry looking cars that are just driving on the road. And they're like, you ran that red light. Or is that in a different issue? I don't remember. Gotta grind you into a traffic jam. <laughs> Colossus eventually shows up, and uh, he's he's beating up demons. He grabs one. He's like, where's my sister? Yeah, this is a couple of filler where he basically tells the story of uh, Ilyana to the demons in order to get them to tell him where Ilyana is. The funny part being that he carries around a photo of Ilyana from before she turned into magic. Why does he have this photo? Well, I don't know. This is my sister, and then twelve years flashed by, and here's my other sister. Yeah, but la- last we know, they were they were they were going on a mission. The X Men were going on a mission to stop the uh, the Marauders. And so what? He's like, oh, I can't forget my picture of magic. It does kind of look like he pulls out a wallet. Uh, so maybe in his underwear. Why does he need a wallet? Well, he, you know, cab fare. He's got his credit cards in there. When he reverts back to human form, he's like, I need the ride to Westchester. <laughs> he can pull out his wallet. And they're like, wow, you keep your wallet in your underwear? It's clever thinking. Or he's got a belt. So you know there's got to be some utilities in that belt. This is, this, I mean, I get why they do it, but. He also has gauntlets. He's, he's He's got gauntlets. In his it's gauntlets true. are pouches that you can't see because they're on his wrists uh, with his wallet and keys for his car that you never see. <laughs> so, yes, after he tells this whole story, the demons are like, oh, I, I know her. She's over there. Uh, and then we know who you are, too. Sim killed you once, so we're going to take you to Sim. And they pick him up and fly him away. Yeah. Meanwhile, Magneto and the Brotherhood, no, the uh, uh, Hellfire Club are... On a building. Killing demons, as you do. They're on top of the Hellfire Club secret in... Wait, where are they? No, they're just high above. I don't know what building they're on. Yeah, it's just just a building. And uh, Magneto sees somebody flying... Uh, demons flying Colossus by. And he's like, wait a minute. Is that Colossus? Nah, couldn't be. Nastir shows up to confront Magneto for some reason. Um, and he's like, there's no reason for you to... F- uh, my legions to battle you. 
We both want to rule the world. Nastir wants to cut a deal with Magneto for some reason. And the Hellfire Club, I suppose. And Magneto's not having any of it. Uh, Nastir mentions Limbo, and Magneto's like, no, Ileana rules Limbo. Not anymore. Not no more. It's us. And that's it. If you choose, we can rule this world together. Well, it's 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 it for now. We uh, then we cut back to the New Mutants where they're they they escape their the street that they were in before, and then they see Magneto uh, talking to Nastir. So they quickly go nearby to spy on them, and uh, that's when they recognize that look, Nastir's been infected with the transmode virus because he's red. Well, maybe they see like the electronics and such on him. <laughs> Well, whatever. It's recognizable. Wolfsbane, what's Nastir saying? He's telling them he only wants Manhattan. If they stay away from the Empire State Building, the Hellfire Club can have the rest. He said something about Celine's holdings in the Amazon jungle. And that's where they all jump to the conclusion that they're all in cahoots. We can't trust Magneto. It's really, it would have been, I would have been fine with this if they hadn't gotten to the part with Celine's holdings in the Amazon jungle. Wasn't Nastir like, you can have... You can have everything but Manhattan. Oh, and I'll make sure that you keep Celine's holdings in the Amazon jungle. Sunspot's like, that's where Amara is. They're trading human lives like playing cards, says Wolf Spain. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here indeed. Uh, Colossus is brought to Sim, and Ilyana realizes that Colossus is back. Oh, no, my brother was killed in Dallas. This can't be him. It is. What have you done to him? He's um, paralyzed, looks like. Unconscious, I guess. Mm. Uh, what have you done to him? Not what has Sim done, but what will Sim do? But what Sim will do? Mm-hmm. And uh, they fight. They fight and fight and fight and fight and fight. Then you can see the two of them fighting. So they rush in to grab uh, Ilyana and they slam into a pawn shop. They notice her armor. Everything in the pawn shop is filled with demons, as everything else is. They also notice Colossus, who then slam, who, who wakes up and slams him into the pawn shop after them. And Colossus does not realize that the armored person is Ilyana. Don't you recognize your little Russian snowflake? Says Sim. Ilyana, no monster. What have you done to her? No, I didn't want you to know. I was almost glad that you were dead, so you would never see me like this. I'm dead inside already. And she creates a uh, teleportation circle and jumps into limbo, uh, taking the rest of the New Mutants and Exterminators with her. But back on Earth, Colossus is getting super angry. Uh, Sim says it's your fault that this happened. Uh, Colossus says, mine? You abandoned her. Let her think you were dead. What about your own business? While well, Sim went about doing his business of deposing her. We got a cool tank, Sim, with his treads. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty neat. Coming, coming to get Colossus. They do they do reference the, the issue where Colossus was summoned into limbo. I guess they referenced that a couple of times. You thought you saved her. She thought you were a ghost. One of her dark conjurings. You thought you made things better, but you didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. Some of the uh, demons 
get wind that Dark Child has gone back to Limbo, so they think the, the jig is up and they decide to go steal the babies uh, back from the church, presumably. Back in Limbo, Ilyana has basically has basically de- decided that she needs to fulfill her destiny and just rule Limbo and stuff. She sits down on a throne. Rain is pleading for her not to. She's like, this is where I belong. I don't even want to be ordinary anymore. Well, she feels like all of this is her fault. I feel like she mentions Destiny somewhere because Destiny did say something. That's coming up. Oh, okay. Colossus continues fighting the demons and Sim. Uh, Meanwhile, the wounded X-Factor and uh, Moonstar, they jump into the fight. With Skids and Rusty. At the church. Give us the babies. Oh, they're still protecting the babies. Um, Moonstar continues to see death's heads everywhere. And I believe she falls unconscious or maybe just falls down. I'm not sure. Can't fight it alone. Danny faint concussion already helped. So yeah, I guess she fainted. Mm-hmm. Magic continues. She, she's monitoring the events in Manhattan and she sees that everything is going wrong and that everybody's losing. The beginning of the end of everything unless I'll do it. My whole existence, my whole life has led me to this moment. Rain is like, no, you can't. I won't let you. I guess, do we know what she's going to do? They seem to know what she's going to do. We just know that she's running away and uh, the new mutants go after her. And then she finds this room filled with teleportation disks. And she says, we traveled through one of those stepping disks, remember? You saw her too, innocent, almost a baby. New mutants number 71. Trapped in limbo, lost in time. How could we let her stay here? How could that happen? The idea being maybe we can go save her in the past and bring her into the present. So they do. They jump into the uh, uh, a, a whole bunch of stepping disks. Yeah. Uh, and they find baby Ilyana and they grab her and then they fall through another stepping disk. Which leads them right to adult Ilyana who freaks out. At the sight of her self, you, you caused all of this. And she smacks herself aside. You should have died like the others, but you fought to live, to become what only I could do. And in the process to die inside. A little bit of time until there is nothing left. Ignorant child. See, know what you will be, what I am. I am power. Magneto's here too. Wow, he's in every issue this month. (laughs) I should destroy you for what you've made of me. Well, this would create like a time paradox. Yeah, it sure would. But it, but it wouldn't, though, because we've been given all this message about like several times through this issue. They talk about how all of Limbo exists, oh. like time exists at the same time. So all of these all of these stepping disks are all happening at the same time, even though like time works weird in Limbo. Yeah. Okay. If we save her, the innocent child you came from, might we not save you and the world as well? Please, Ileana, this time you have a choice. A choice? So I guess the choice is, I guess she could kill herself, or they could save young Ileana, and then Ileana would never grow into this Ileana. The only choice is to remove the choice, to negate my presence in limbo as if I had never existed here at all. And Destiny's Prophecy, there's that part you were looking for, mm-hmm. was what that I must learn. How can I learn? I am the Dark Child, shed away from the life. 
always on the outside looking in. But can I learn? Have I? Is this the answer? And she creates a gigantic stepping disc uh, that, and they transfer themselves over to Manhattan back in Times Square. And the, the stepping disc grows large and starts sucking all of the demons in. Um, and also her soul sword. And uh, as Colossus is fighting Sim, it, su- it sucks Sim away. And he's all like, it's kind of a funny panel. Yay! And by the church, all the demons get sucked away. And Danny wakes up and is no longer seeing the death visions. And they wonder what happened. And they go over to Ilyana and they find that her armor is crushed and broken. Colossus is like, oh gosh, Ilyana, my sister, you're dead. She wasn't dark child at the end. She was an angel, a being of light. I held her in my arms so tightly with a light child burned. And then I couldn't feel her in her arms. All right, Rain... Rain is holding onto the little girl in as Ilyana is creating this giant stepping disc, and she loses her in the last panel where we see her. And there was her charred armor, that empty shell. And then from within the armor, we hear, Piotr Niklovich. Vals? Help me. Inside the armor, so Colossus tears the armor apart, and we see that there is a little... Seven-year-old, I guess, Ilyana. Yep. Peter. I, I love this panel where she hugs Peter. Yeah, it's a good panel. And she's like super tiny. Yeah, and he's, yeah, it's a good panel. And everyone's like, Ilyana. And Ilyana recognizes Rain, I guess probably because Rain pulled her out of limbo. Yeah, I mean, you know, she probably, I'm sure she was freaked out when they first showed up and was like, wait, who are these people <laughs> are sucking these people? me, taking me through these stepping discs? But then once she figured out what was going on, she, and, and we do know that the, like the new mutants talk about how they do remember all of a, like having known the adult version of Ilyana. So time didn't get erased. Right. So maybe we don't know what Ilyana remembers. It's impossible. We knew her. We remember her. Maybe we'll never know what it means except because of her sacrifice. Earth uh, has been saved. And your life will stretch before you like a golden path filled with the promise of all that is wonderful, Rain says, hugging uh, Ilyana tight to her. And overhead, Nastir on the last page is watching. And he basically says, so it ends. Well, I... I wasn't able, I'm the only one left in Manhattan. Maybe there's a couple more demons. Um, all the demons are back, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna create some sort of chasm and the chasm between earth and limbo yawns wide, stretching an impossible distance, but I will build a bridge on the souls of the innocent. And there's a picture of Christopher, Nathan, Charles Summers and the lost. And there's a picture of Madeline Pryor as the Goblin Queen. Before the sun rises, Earth and Limbo will be mine. So, Nastir still has plans. I still don't know what they are, but uh, he's got them. Yeah. The battle for Earth has just begun. Inferno concludes in X-Men 242 and X-Men 38. But in the next issue of The New Mutants, uh, some some exterminators are probably going to have to join The New Mutants. Maybe. Maybe. That's what it seems like. Maybe some. Maybe not all. So yeah, that's a it's a neat uh, neat issue, neat neat uh, conclusion to Ilyana's arc. I feel like Inferno's over. 
Uh, I don't remember. Um, I mean, I, I certainly had the next issues of X Factor and X Men, but I don't remember how they rely on demons. Okay. Well. So by rights, like all the demons are gone, and now it's maybe just Nastir hanging out, and maybe like whatever happens in those issues happens, and then they all join together to defeat Nastir. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I know for a fact. A spoiler: Crotus doesn't get sent back. Oh. We'll be talking about that later. Now, here's what I also don't know, and it probably is years before this is will ever be revealed to me. But Eliana eventually turns back into a teenager or an adult. Or does she just grow up? Oh, that could be. I I don't know either. That's not how time works in comics. Yeah, well, I mean, it it does for some people and and doesn't for other people. Hmm. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. Um, <clears throat> we also have uh. Well, actually, yeah. To conclude all that, uh, I I have no problems with that whole time travel stuff. They they did very little to describe it. Um, and they could have done more, which I think would have just overcomplicated the story. So it was, it's one of those situations where the story is much better than all the time travel gimmickry. So you don't really think about it as much. It's usually the, 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 the time travel things that you pick on are things that are not good. <laughs> right. Um, I am looking for a TV show. That I think was Continuum. Do you ever watch Continuum? No, never. I, I I don't know if I've even heard of it. It was a. I think it was a Canadian. Yes, it was a Canadian science fiction series. Um, I only watched the first maybe season and a half. There's only like three seasons. Uh, and I'm gonna get this plot wrong, but it's like they're in the future and the corporations have like bailed out the government. So the corporations own everything. And this woman's got like this time traveling suit. And I think I can't remember. I think she chases down criminals and like sends them back in time to like get rid of them or something. I probably have that wrong. Um, but ultimately her and like these bad guys end up back in time. Um, and now she's trying to like she she meets up with like the inventor of the suit who's a teenager and they like trying to like piece together like how can they send her back to the present where she's got like a husband and maybe she's got a kid I don't remember uh but there's this one scene where um one of the bad guys uh is breaking away from the bad guy gang and they're like you can't break away from us because we have your grandmother right here and we're going to kill her and he's like oh my god if you if you kill my grandmother here in the past then I can't exist and I'll just like fade away from existence. Oh my God. And he like tries to comply with whatever their demands are, uh, but ultimately fails. And they're like, well, you failed. So we're going to kill your grandmother. And like right in front of him, they shoot his grandmother and he doesn't disappear. He doesn't go anywhere. He's like, what, what, like, so, so now what? Like, I just don't exist yet. I'm still here. Uh, and it was just kind of a neat idea that in the reality of that show, um, he didn't like fade out of existence like Marty McFly. He was there, but now he had essentially no future because his mother was killed or his grandmother was killed. Cool. Before he was born. Yeah. That sounds that sounds pretty neat. It was neat. Or before his mother was it's like his whole family line was cut off, yet he was still somehow alive. It was just like a neat little like I'm gonna mess with your expectations. Yeah, I mean it sort of makes sense if right. you if you think about it because like he's he's there and. Those other people were there to kill his grandmother. So if he hadn't been born at all, they wouldn't have killed his grandmother. Right. right. So it's like a loop. Yeah, kind of. 
Uh, I mean, and then the series goes on from there. But that was just like a neat takeaway from the whole thing. Um, one day I should finish that series, but I don't know if I will. I used to watch a Canadian show called Total Recall 2049 or something like that. It was a combination of uh, – it was about a cop who worked in a in a world that was a combination of the Blade Runner movie and the Total Recall movie. So it had technologies from both of those movies. It was neat. Like canon-esque or just stealing elements? Was, uh, it, was it officially licensed from those two properties? No. Okay. So, so stealing, although it had the rights to the name Total Recall. I don't know. Okay. I'm not, I'm not really sure. It was, it was a neat show. It was about a cop who didn't like uh, androids and he had, an, he had to have an android partner and, hmm. you know. Okay. Uh, we also took a look at Marvel Comics Presents number 18, the Cyclops story called The Retribution Affair, part two of eight, Plague of the Night. The Retribution Affair, Plague of the Night. Plague in the Night, rather. Or plague in the Night. Um, It's mostly forgettable, um, <laughs> I mean, except for the last panel, but uh, there's like a kid on the island who's sick or something. Yeah, there's there's a kid who's sick, and Moira has to, as as a doctor, has to go look at the kid. Who draws this? You know what? This, this art reminds me of um, later Marvel Comics Presents. Did Ron Lim draw some of those backup stories? I mean, mar- later classic X-Men backup stories. Maybe. Hmm. Anyways. I like the art. Banshee, I guess, is worried about Moira... And that's why he called Scott out to the island. She's been like sleepwalking or something like that. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Uh, and uh, Cyclops is like, well, that's not that's not all that weird. But Banshee's like, yeah, but she goes all over the place, and her tracks just stop. As we open, she's she's standing with uh, two kids who she's got trapped in a bubble, stealing out of their house. Does she though? I, I just thought this was kind of like a conceptual panel no no this happens oh, okay this is one of those things that happens at night so you see all the lights there yeah and that those are the lights that cyclops saw when he first arrived on the island so this is something that happens that moira doesn't matter uh remember so later when she goes to the little girl who's sick it's the little girl in the bubble oh okay and i believe it turns out that the little girl is a mutant and there's also a little boy who's playing. And maybe he's not a mutant or something. Uh, anyway, the lights are targeting mutants. We find that out on the last page. Yeah. Banshee and Moira are helping the little girl. So Cyclops decides he's going to help out the little boy who's kind of sitting by himself. My sister is very sick. The little people did this. The people and the lights. What lights, Bobby? And that's when Moira interrupts and says, all right, got to go. And so that night, the lights show up again, and Moira gets up, gets dressed. She's sleepwalking. Cyclops wakes up, though. Cyclops gets attacked. Oh, that's right. He gets attacked by a little missile, but he blasts it at the last minute. Move it, Summers! And he sees Moira walking towards, I don't know, a lab or something. The light is warm and inviting as it envelops her. Cyclops... Okay, folks, I said we have a problem. (laughs) Well, he's, he's not following her he's still in the house so he bangs on the bedroom door to wake up 
Sean and Moira, and then he kicks, he punches in the door. Right, because he did get attacked, so he's got a good reason for he it. He yells very dramatically, Sean! We don't see him. So something's going on with Sean. We don't know what. Maybe his throat was slit. And then we, uh, the next panel, we see a robot uh, dialogue box say, The girl is infected? Question mark. Yes, well, her... Her brother is unaffected. His genetic structure rejected the virus as expected, but it thrives in her in the environment of her system. Good. She was born with a curse. She'll die. It's just nature's way. I'm master mold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, master mold's back, y'all. Now the master mold can review remove the abomination of mutation from the earth. So he's killing off mutants he we last saw him in the pages of x factor where cyclops took him to like an oil refinery or something and like obliterated him but the last panel was like maybe a a twingy piece of metal wasn't he also in power pack oh yeah he was that's right yeah that's where he he, he was last seen because like he was he was hunting the 12 and franklin was one of the 12 or something like that yeah I don't remember how Power Pack defeated him, but somehow uh, he made his way to uh, uh, Muir Island. Yeah, he so, swam. <laughs> well, we know he can do that. So, I'm curious to see where this goes. Like I said, I own one issue in this arc, <laughs> and it wasn't either of the first two. Was it because Ma- Master Mold was on the cover? Is that why you bought it? Probably. No, it was just the cover that I recall is Cyclops just on the front, like with his hair out and his goggles on, just blasting. Pew! And I was like, oh, Cyclops, he's an X-Man. I'll buy this issue. Whoa, Master Mold. <laughs> but then I never sought out any other issue. I see. So, yeah, spoilers. Master Mold continues to be a character in the story. Spoilers? <laughs> All righty, then. Um, All righty. That's all she wrote. Yep. That's it. That's all I got, Adam. You got anything else? I got nothing else. All right. Well, then, until next time, y'all, the danger room is closed. <laughs> oh, my, uh, my name is Jeremy. <laughs> it's too late for that. Dang my it. name's Adam. Uh, and now the danger room is officially closed. Keeping all the show. <laughs> Bye. Good night. <laughs>